Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Komanaj, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. Great to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. I'm really excited about having this conversation about your firm, Read. Um, it's I've been looking at it and seeing the types of work that you do, and it's, it's super interesting. And so I wanted to bring you on the podcast and just share what you're doing, and then maybe talk about how you started the firm and and where you are now, and maybe where you're you're planning on taking it uh, in the future. So I'm I'm looking forward to this conversation. That that sounds great. I'm I'm glad you're you know. All right, you let me the firm this way. Yeah. Let me introduce you, and then we'll uh, we'll jump right into that. Uh, Colmenage is a French multidisciplinary architect based among the cities of New York and Miami and Paris. He founded his own practice, Reed, in 2017, championing uh, projects that foster an international relationship between the individual and the built environment, exploring architecture as a medium for ideation and communication, facilitating growth and community. Colm, I want to learn more about your practice. I want to understand Reed. I also want to understand the origin of the name. Reed, you, mm-hmm. you, it's it's written R-E-A period D. So I want to understand the whole origin of the name. And then we'll talk about your firm. Um, before we do that, though, I want to know more about you. I want to know more about you as an architect. Um, I want to know your origin story. When, where, 
uh, did you discover your passion for architecture? Who, who inspired you or what inspired you way back when you decided to become an architect? Uh, share that story from that point to where you are now. Cool. Okay. I'm you know, like trying to not go too far back, but just you like, can go, uh, you can go back as far as you want. Lots, lots of architects oh, go all the way back. Okay. Um, I, uh, well, let's go then. Like, thanks for asking the question. So, um, I, I was living in Paris, um, pretty much until I was, well, part Switzerland, but like I moved in Paris when I was 13, like got, you know, graduated from high school at 18 years old in Paris. Um, and at that time, uh, I was in a scientific major. I went to first year of a medic, like medicine school, um, and, uh, you know, like that's in six hours of Paris and like next to that, um, medical school is actually like the Beaux-Arts school of Paris. Um, and I was going to go and grab lunch there, um, like every day because it's actually like this very nice courtyards and just like, um, and you know, I, I've always been really interested. Actually, I really like the biology aspect of the medical school. I like to understand how the body works and like the cells and how to communicate and like all the yeah. interactions between different elements. So I always liked history a lot as well. Like, you know, like uh, as a student, I like to understand, you know, like where we are now and really, and, but like what brought us to the situation and like, you know, just like, like, like a little bit more context, you know, like I'd like to learn about the complex and how things work. So, um, it, it didn't really work out on the first medical year. Like I wasn't too much into it. Um, but I was discussing with some of the artists at the Bazaar at lunch, you know, they were like, like I was going around, I was seeing them like the paintings and the sculpting and just like, it's a little bit of like a free will word, you know, like everybody had their own insights. And so I thought it was really fascinating and, um, at the same time, I also had a friend who was uh, studying. He moved from one of my friends from Paris to London to study at the AA School uh, Architectural Association. And uh, he was telling me all about the projects he was doing. And it was like, it sounded like really fascinating. And at some point I was like, well, maybe, maybe what I was looking into medicine, you know, like that sounds like maybe I can find it in architecture. Like I learned that there was a school of architecture on the Beaux-Arts, which is not part of the Beaux-Arts school anymore. It's separated, but it was still on the site of the Beaux-Arts. So it's still surrounded by the artists and everything. So uh, that was the beginning of it. I didn't know much more about it. Like at that point, I was like, that sounds great. Um, it sounds more interesting. I know the place is right there. So like I started on my next year in architecture. Um, and I think like, you know, again like i started to read about the history of architecture and like like the same thing i would do like about general things and and just really got into it um i think what was interesting here is like to me like it's a you know the architecture what is great is like you can study so many things through it like it's like you, you kind of confront your view of the word through the project you know like um you you, you express what you you even discover like you're like oh i never knew like i would do a project about this um and you learn things about yourself. So it's a little bit of a self-discovery journey. And then as you learn the tools, like you start to understand how like you can broaden up a little bit the discussion as well, like through the projects. 
And also like some people like do even very conceptual things that like are grounded in architecture, but that maybe are not considered architecture, but like really can affect uh, a lot of people. And same subject, you know, like history, sociology, different things. So like, um, I, I found the field really, really broad um, and enough of, you know, a playground to go like a lot of directions for sure. Um, so I, you know, as I was getting a little bit more geared up there on um, my third year, um, I had like, I've been able to go to Berlin for one year as an exchange student. Um, and that really blew my mind. Like uh, the school, the Université der Kunst, um, the local Beaux-Arts school in Berlin had like, you know, as much as like in France, like the school was about really project based, like that was a lot more theoretical. It was more urban. It was more about ideas. Um, and actually like, Weirdly, like because I was in was at school in Paris, like but there was a lot more arts in it too. So that like I came back and I actually wanted to stay there, but I ended up coming back to Paris to do my last year uh, in the degree and like really wanted to keep exploring more this way. I'd be like, okay, it's about projects, about more things. I was really interested about the urban aspects. Um, and you know, like just like Paris is a cool city, but like like the taste of like going to Berlin and come back, I. I kind of wanted to get away again. So um, uh, I graduated with a more urban project. And then um, I did an internship at a firm called AS, uh, the architecture studio. Uh, there's a firm who did the Arab Institute in Paris with Jean Nouvel at that time. Like they were all linked and then like departed ways. But they're a fairly big firm. And actually, like they had, um, they told me, like, look, like just like, we're looking for people to uh, go to our team um, in China, uh, in Shanghai. Um, actually, like I, it's also because I, I visited there like during my last year, um, and I thought it was interesting. And they told me like you can go there if you want. So my first job was directly in Shanghai, um, and then I worked there like a year and a half. Um, which was great. And I saw like we were doing larger scale and like like really fast paced and um, not like, I think that Chinese architects have always been good, but I maybe even more so now. Um, I think at that time they were looking for foreign firms to bring a different sense of design while now like they really want to grow it in house, uh, like, like with their own knowledge, like Chinese architect like trained like that do amazing design you can see it all over the web uh but at that time it was a little different where they were like you know it was 2007 they were looking for a little bit more steer insight I think um and so as a European moving there like I started to I don't know manage little projects very quickly and things like that uh, so like that was exciting but we're doing only concept design. And then like it was handed off to more like Chinese, um, ex you know, like executive or like firms that were would execute the project. Um, yeah. You know, after a year and a half, you didn't build anything like you like, you know, like, like it's a lot of paper things. So I was like, like, yeah, maybe we need to do something else. Um, so I went back and that was a bad move uh, <laughs> because it was 2008 and I never realized how bad the financial crisis would be and how like, like the impact on everything that it would have. 
So I went to London at that time and I interviewed with quite a few cool artists, like, you know, like David Ajaye, like David Chipperfield, like just like, you know, like, like, like I, um, like, you know, like even like I had the follow up conversation with David Ajaye, like, like office, but I, as you get there, like all the projects were crumbling down and people are like, look, just, we just, we just fired half of the office. Like right. there's nothing here. You know, so, so, um, and how, how old were you at that point? I was, I was 23, 24. Yeah. Just like 20. Yeah. So, and, um, you know, that was the first time I was, I did many portfolio. I, I think I did like 100, 150, something like that and sent it all around. Um, and that was a good learning experience too. Um, but so like I started to apply, I didn't want to go back to Paris. Um, so I started to apply and like I got accepted at Columbia University, which was the beginning of my US adventure. So like, in, you know, I don't think I would be here in the US without all this. Um, and, uh, and so I did the urban design degree there, which was almost like participatory urbanism, you know, like I thought it would be more planning and stuff and more like formal, but it was actually a lot more about policies and like everything around the architecture. And I discovered a completely different aspect of what sculpted cities there. So like, that was really interesting. Um, but even when I graduated at Columbia in 2010, uh, like from the degree, there was still no jobs in New York. <laughs> so, um, so I did like assistant to a teacher called Mario Gooden at Columbia University. Like actually like he's in charge of the um, uh, advanced master program now. That's great. Like, just, um, and uh, did some little video for teachers, like a lot of different things for one year. And um, finally, I, uh, you know, two friends, um, uh, friends that I made at Columbia University, like they were like, oh, like there's this, new firm, like, you know, like we're all small, but like, like we're looking for people. So, uh, I interviewed, uh, with Aaron Chen at, uh, uh, ODA New York, which is now like more known. Um, but I think we were like 10 or like, I think we were 12, like they were 12 people at the office. So, uh, the office was about five or six years old, something like that. Um, uh, starting to have like better projects, but like they got hit by the, I think they grew and like they got hit by the, financial crisis as well. So like they, they sort of like they were like on the regrow path. Um, and so like, you know, like I like, I was happy to stay in New York at that time. Like, so I, I was like, look, like all the urban things, like it's great, but just like, there's a spot in architecture here. Like I really like what those guys are doing. So, um, so I stayed five years at, uh, at ODA New York. Um, and we grew, I see, like, we, I still say we, but like, uh, just like, uh, we we're 13 and then like in three years, like the office became like 85 or 90 people. Um, so I both experienced a smaller office and what it is to almost grow a little fast, you know, right. um, and just see like that, but, you know, like thanks to that, just like they needed some of the first people, the first. 12 people, even if it's like already like quite a bit of people, uh, to like grow a little bit with the office. So I've been able to uh, be project architect. I was in charge of a few facades, you know, like like the 
condominiums like like you know like between 60 and 100,000 square feet like like I've been able to do full project from beginning to the end on a project that is called the Flynn in Chelsea um like it took four and a half years and I was doing like the other projects at the same time so but it was great I I, I got a lot of training in facade there um which I really enjoyed detailing actually um and I discovered how to do CA, um, you know, like, so. Um, and I think after five years, you know, like I was sort of wrapping the loop of all those projects. And so like, they were like, look, like here's the next round of project. I was like, like well, either I launch again to it. Uh, and I know I'm going to take like three years in, you know, like another three years or I do something else. Um, at that time, actually, I met my wife, who's an interior designer. Uh, she's called Megan Grell. Uh, she's doing high-end interior design, but she was she started a couple of years before I met her. She she's friends of friends of people that I met in Shanghai. So like like they just followed us. Um, right. And then they were like, oh, like you should meet that you know like you should meet that lady. Like she's uh, she's starting her office. Like and then. Uh, she was operating from her living room with like a couple of interns, you know, like just like like she had like planning experience, but like doing more like interior design, pure interior design. That's what like she worked at Narian Hu in in Shanghai, and she inspired me. Like just like I was like, wow, like, you can actually do it, you know? It's like uh, like and like she was like, yeah, like just like look, like just come and work from the living room too if you want. Like I'm just like you know, like sometimes I like, didn't didn't like this person is not so busy if you want to do things. So so that was the the jump. Like I had no projects, I didn't know like you know, but I was like, look, like I feel like it's the right time. Like it's inspiring yeah. to see you doing. So so um, no no money, no experience, no clients. Just this sounds right. This feels good. Let's go do it. Yeah, and I think I think I always yeah yeah definitely that was like let's try something. And like, what yeah. year is that? That was 2017. Yeah, um, that was that was the summer 2017. Um, yeah, just like you know, I I started by helping her a little bit because she was starting to have project that was going a little bit beyond the scope of interior design. So like I was trying to organize a little bit things. Um, like, you know, like she was getting some, you know, like the typical building review that you don't expect. And like the, they have the three page list of technical things when like you want to renovate the bathroom. Um, and you know, a little bit like that, like she got, like, I was more like also, I was a little bit architect of record for her, like, like for a little while. Um, and then, well, from the moment I got my license, which was what like one year after like in the beginning it was more like helping her like in organizing drawings and interns and things like that and we we're trying to do the the occasional competition as well uh like you know at the office so um but yeah it's been a trip because um from the moment you're at the big firm and like and, you know like everybody is at experiences like you know it's like can tell me that it's very different to work with a firm that is 90 people to starting as a one person, yeah. you know, like this, the, the scale of the project is different. All your consultants, you cannot call them because they're doing bigger projects. So like, it's like everybody you met to a certain 
extent is not fully relevant to what you're going to do now. Um, and actually, like some people I met through my ODE career, I connect with them now that like we grew back in scale a little bit. So it comes back around. Yeah. But I felt on that end like much later. Um, and so, but uh, you know, like the like I think that was a great support to have. Uh, my wife be able to also like bring me some projects like that and me like to be able to help on those like apartment renovations and things. And I learned a lot through those projects too. You know, like, like it's, uh, it's one thing to draw a design. It's another thing to have to draw a plumbing riser diagram yourself for the first time, because there's no fees for the engineer to do it. Or like, you know, like, it's like, like it's too small. So you have to start to learn how to do things yourself a lot like i felt as much as i felt like at oda and at oda i was like wow like i'm good like i'm able to get those facades and everything but i never realized how much there were so many people around me like doing there was a facade consultant the expediter that you know like like just like right. all those people advising like my like the, the senior that was like like helping and it was another you're like whoa like this guy i need to figure it out right like yeah. just like so um and I think that's a little bit the motto at the office. That's what I tell now, like we're, uh, so we're going to hire our 10th employee now, um, five years later. And, um, and when I say we, it's like us as Reed, uh, my wife, Megan Grail has a different office that is about the same size. Um, but, uh, it's a little bit what I tell everybody. I'm like, you know, it's like, you know, institutional like the certain way is fine but we need to be we're smaller where we need to be more agile we need to and there's a lot of things we need to just figure it out you know like so like there are different ways to do it um either you cross-reference with another project or things like that like we're, we're still doing that um and uh but yeah like just learn a lot let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Do you have ideas about how to improve the architecture profession? I know you do. If you're listening to this podcast, you definitely have ideas about how to improve our profession. NCARB wants to hear from you. Their ongoing analysis of practice study is your opportunity to shape the future of architecture. Share your experiences and insights from working in architecture and tell NCARB what you wish they would do better. This is your opportunity to let NCARB know what you wish they would do better. Your feedback will help guide changes to the national experience and examination programs for architects and impact what being a licensed architect could look like. Whether you're an architect or you work with architects, NCARB wants to hear from you. Make sure your voice is heard. Contribute to the Analysis of Practice study today. Sign up at ncarb.org slash AOP. That's N-C-A-R-B dot org slash AOP. ncarb.org slash AOP. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out your financials on your own is not one of those things. Luckily, there's FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business from building and tracking invoices to managing online payments to organizing expenses 
and automates them with features like the new digital bills and receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours per week in the process. 11 hours. FreshBooks has your back at tax time too. It's almost tax time. With a ton of reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands and you can easily hand the keys over to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. Try FreshBooks. Try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. It's free. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect. Freshbooks.com slash architect. Get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash architect. So what will you do with your 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered, and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, aka CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by ArtCat. Listen and subscribe right now at ArtCat.com slash podcast. That's ArtCat.com slash podcast. A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed, every building has a story. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you the Entree Architect community. What type of work did you start when you first launched? What type of work did you do? You know, after you you said you were working sort of part-time with your wife and doing some of that work, but once once you started doing your own work and, and, and bringing in your own projects, what were those projects? It was residential still. Like, it, I, I did a lot of residential at um, ODA New York, and so, like, that's, that's where I was. So residential to, single to, family houses or commercial apartments or it was more like uh apartment renovation in the yep. beginning. Um, so New York City apartments. But like New York City apartments, yeah. Yep. Um and, and 95% of the practice is still in New York right now. Like it's like I know like we're trying to do things in Miami a little bit. Um and we have one project in France that is gonna be long uh for several reasons. But just like 95% of the, like, it's still, I've been able to, what I've been able to port is a little bit the code and things that I learned before from New York City to New York City. That helped me, like, not having to reinvent everything from zero. Um, but, like, apartments, fairly quickly, we got our first project, which is in also, like, a larger project, which is a, a townhouse in the West Village. Um, it's an old carriage house. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, like, like here, like we had everything, we had landmark change of views, a lot yeah. of different things. And just like, so like a really good case study and 
excuse me, for a lot of reason that project took five years to complete. I'm like something. I'm like sorry, guys. Yeah. I, can, I cannot that, say that, this. That's like, New York City, right? I mean, working in uh, New York City, is it was layers and layers and layers of regulation. It was, it was, it was tricky. We would get it like a lot faster done now. But like, just like I think we hired like here, like we hired an expediter that was cheap. But like, like again, like I learned a lot of things because like since he wasn't fully doing what he was supposed to do, I ended up going to the department of building with him. And I saw him like beeping the ticket, like beeping his pass, like going to that window, that window, that window. And I was like, actually, I learned through that. And now like a lot of projects, sometimes we're doing our own expediting things through that experience because that allowed us to propose an attractive package for smaller projects, you know, like, like, just like, if not, like, you're like, look, I'm going to be that much, but then there's an expediter, there's that and that. And people at some point are like, look, I have like a hundred K in, in budget and you're yeah. telling me like, like 60% of it is going to be eaten by not construction. Like, you know, like, so it's, um, it, like, it's true those experiences every time something doesn't work and you try to fix and you learn. And so like that becomes one expertise or service that you can provide. And I think in the beginning, that's really how we do love by be able to provide a lot of services, you know, like just like the architecture of record, a bit of design, but also some expediting, a, like some sourcing of products, like, you know, like bidding contractors, like just like through all this, there was enough to do. Yeah. Like us, you know, like to like, like, Subsided a bit, um, and, and you and by doing that, you have the opportunity to um, to be able to bring in revenue for each one of those as well, right? So once you once you start doing some of that expediting work, uh, you can charge for that expediting work. And let me just let me just explain yeah. that to, to the listeners who are listening who don't understand expediters. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. New York City, working in New York City, the the code and the regulation is so complicated that there's an entire layer of code review that is done by the expediters. There's there are people who understand the New York City system, and so architects work with expediters that basically help them get it through the regulation and the code review and all of that helps them through the process. So, as an architect, Comb can can learn that process and then be able to provide that service. In addition to his architectural services, he can provide that expediter service as well and not have to charge additional for hiring somebody else a consultant essentially to do that work correct yeah and that that helped us on several projects no definitely like you know you do it a couple of times by necessity because like hey i gotta figure it out like the guy's not it doesn't sound like it's moving and then like after like you're like look like yeah instead of hiring this guy it could be me and just like um and you learn even more so um but yeah like we've been able to charge a little bit and like grow like that um so like i think the trajectory of the office was really to be support a support of those and then like I, you know at some point i was like look like it's been working working as support for my wife uh, why don't i just expand and try to work with other interior designer maybe they have interesting projects as well and so um, that's when we started to diversify a little bit. We started to do, we started to work with this co-living firm um, called Van City. And uh, they were in Bushwick. They were trying to transform quickly some apartments. Um, and uh, they were doing, we did a, a, like some sort of a mix of a deli, cafe, like 
co-working into an old dentist and garage space that we had to change our views. So, uh, you know, there wasn't like the interior designer that came to us and was like, hey, like, it's like, you know, like we need permits, we need to change our views, we need this and that. So, um, so that's where like we brought in the, the network through that, like, and, um, and, you know, at some point we're like, look, like sometimes we're like, we can do this, but like we can do design as well, you know, like which is a little bit the the, the goal at some point. You're like, right, like, right. like, um, we can do design as well, um, and it works out. And you know, like sometimes there's an interior designer that like is doing the inside, but like there's more than just there's some window extension things like that, and so we start to to design there. And after a moment, once you show quite a few of those projects we've been able to approach clients and be like, look, like we can do it all. Like we can do the architecture of record, the design of the extension, the, or the change of views. We can also do the design, you know, like of the interiors and things like that. And when it's not my expertise, I know, for example, like furnishing is not, I, you know, like it's not my thing. Like it's, it's, it's not that it's not my thing, but like, it's just like, I feel like I spend a lot of time, um, the time to an effort to ratio to result versus what I can provide probably on just architecture and layout right. is it's just not as good, you know, I have to admit it. So like, and then we bring back some people for expertise that we think someone else can do as well. Um, and that was a little bit the struggle. At some point I realized I was like, like, look, like just like we do get this sort of snowball effect because we talk to all those people by being in support. And finally, like sometimes you turn into larger projects or like the next person calling you. We are like, you did that. Can you do that as well? Um, but also because at some point we are starting to have this range of services, I was tempted to do it all. But once you do that, you're really on your own. So like you're, then your network shrinks, you know, because yeah. like you stop bringing other people in that could bring you the next project as well. So. That was something I realized. I was like, oh, like if we propose every single the time, then our snowball effect. You, you see it. Like it's like you like a year. It takes time. Like unfortunately, like it's like a year later that you realize like, oh, like I shouldn't <laughs> right. should have done that. And it takes like it takes a few months to like recover. Um, but uh, but yeah, like so like we keep liking collaborating and bring other expertise in what we're doing. Just like. Uh, but like at least now, like we're we're trying to also transition away from. Um, now we before we're giving architect we're architect in the beginning we're architect of record that can maybe provide design if you want it. Um, now we're more like this. We're trying to be more design architect that provide architecture of record for the sake of convenience. Uh, and 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 that shift is is what we've been trying to do for the past yeah. couple of years. And you've grown uh, from from just you to 10 employees, you said, hiring your 10th? Yeah, 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 like now, yeah. Can we talk about that a little bit? How about the the first employee, when you first hired that first employee? Because that's always the hardest one. Um, what was that process like? How did you know that it was the right time and, and who did you hire in terms of their role? Um, so, it's 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 a great person like, like it's, it's he's uh it's fabian he's a u.s citizen like born in colombia um i almost you know have to be careful if you can listen to the podcast no but like like 
you know, love him. Like he's he's been here almost from day one, from the first month. Um, I think he was looking for an architecture job. I think he had a little experience here and there, but just like uh, I think like um, real project development and things like that in New York City. You know, it's like like he was uh, almost as new as uh, I was to the apartment renovation thing. Um, to be honest, I do think I hired him. I hired like not him because like he's great, but like I hired the first person a little bit too early. Um, I should have stayed by myself a little bit longer. Uh, just like probably the way I see it, like staying a little bit with you know like creating processes and things that like explain clearly what needs to be done. You know, um, things that I never got at my previous firm either actually like, like you know it was a little bit free flow everything right um but the margins are so tight when you start that i think you do want to have all your layers all like almost like pdf that explains like this is this is what schematic is this is what right. all your like, systems you know? need to be in place and and so when you hired those early employees the systems weren't really in place yet and so no it wasn't it wasn't and i think um the the issue of that you know we went through but like the issue of that is that like um it's quite a bit of salary to have an employee in the beginning and so because of that employee you start to get more projects to cover you and that employee and then right. you don't really have time to you have you don't have time to work on the project and on the system to create the project at the same time right and I would have really taken more time if I had to redo it, like to re really breathe a little bit and be like, look, like, yes, like this stuff. It's good. At that time, I wanted to do the competition and the project that we just got and like helping, you know, like I was really trying, it's the problem in general, but like, like, like trying to do all of that because it's exciting and because in a certain way you want to grow and you want to start to create your proof of concept. Um, so, but I should have just taken this townhouse and did it by myself, you know, um, yeah. and and really take the time and really ponder, like, is it the right time for this first person or not? Um, and I think that like, it happened a couple of times, like in the course of the office where I seriously, I don't know what people do with, excuse me, with 30 or 40 people, you know, like, it's like, uh, like I, I'm not at that stage. Um, I saw it working in my previous term, but now that it, like I'm the one putting all this together, I'm like, well, it sounds like a lot. Um, because already, like, I, I tried to grow a few times, and just like at some point, like I think two years ago, three years, like maybe two and a half years ago, like we had a summer that was really busy, um, where I started to get we're like, I think we we're like six or like like. I think I we were four, and then like I got like two or three interns for the summer, um, and bless everybody. Like it was great that they came in, and just like you know, like, just, like paying everybody. Like in your life, just like but like the like here, like it was really hard to manage all the projects. Um, the like again, like problem of system, the the fee system. Like I was, you know, like it wasn't in place. So like yeah. at the end, like you receive more, but just like you see the projects not moving forward as much as it should and um and and because of that you're on the project and you're not really able to 
do strategy with the client, be like, look, like this is additional service, this we shouldn't do, this is not what we agreed with. Like really thinking about the structure of the contract as well and like why are we doing that? Like being too focused on like, we're gonna do this product, it's a great product. If we have it built, like, you know, as like a lead, we can show something. Um, and it, 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 not instantly, but like it creates a big gap, you know? Like, like you end up with like a big bail at the end of the summer that you, I didn't see it coming at all. Um, so I think like we, it's like that after like, you know, like we string down because like, oh, like a little panic attack and like now like we're, I think we're regrowing like in a better way. Uh, now, like I have more, well, Fabian is here and like he's ready to take on like a large project by himself, for example, you know, of course, like, it's like, you know, we discuss all the design and all the strategy, but like, He's able to run the show and to like really help me and like you know like there's now we have a project manager like he's not an architect he's a builder and he's doing more like construction site management and, and bidding and things like that and he's yeah. able to take to pilot a little bit things so I have more layers of relay now and so like it's a little bit more sustainable that's it are you working uh, remotely or or are you in a physical office we're all remotely now. Is the firm intended to be, are you going to continue that way? Because obviously everybody's working that way pretty much now. But but is is as you grow, will you continue to remain remote? Um, I think I would like to have, I think everybody wants to be half-half, right? Nowadays I have right. the yep. feeling. Uh, they want to, you know, everybody wants to have the freedom to be able to stay a couple of days at home and like just like, like, like back at the office. Um, I think we do want to have, um, we do want to have an office again, uh, especially it's very hard to welcome new people at the office fully remotely. I feel like, you know, yeah, I've uh, heard it, a lot it, about it, that. Yeah. I, it's not for everybody first, I think, because like the more social persons, like they're not, they're not going to find exactly what they want into the office. Um, you kind of pass by around and be like, Hey, like do it more like this right like you know so like you figure it out like you find out like four days later um and <laughs> you know like that things like went like really um it, it you know like if you're not attentive like like it, it happens uh so uh I, I do think for welcoming new people it's important to have an office i really think that also i kind of miss the energy of you know even from the team like between each other to have fun to get to know each other like to stay a little later to like explore something or like there's not this sort of enthusiasm mechanism that works for you either so i think that part should be reinstated for sure and like in what form we still figure it out is it like is it just the juniors with like like more like like a little bit more senior people like passing by you know one or two days a week like in rotation so uh is it you know, what is it after? Like some people love to be at home. Um, and, you know, after like, you know, like days of savings and not having an office and also like not having people commute back and forth. I think it saves some energy of people. Like it's like the energy, man, like mental energy is like less stimulated, I think, like to a certain extent. But I think also like people don't have to like go back and forth and like, like spend like eat an hour and a half, you know, like so. Like maybe they feel like uh, their day is longer. Um, 
we'll see. But I, I, we wanted, we were talking about like having an office again, but with Omicron hitting. Uh, for those who have an office now, I understand that like you want to go back because you want to use it. You have a lease, like you're, you're paying for it, or you have a negotiation with your landlord, or like like you did it on purpose, like that's fine. But like we gave back the keys on March 2020, like when the first wave arrived. We're on the months, two months in an office with two yeah. great guys. But like I was like, hey, like just like here are the keys. We don't know when we're gonna come back. And those guys were like. It's going to last two weeks and come back. Why do you yeah. do that? And um, it lasted a bit longer. It did. So, it did for sure. Yeah. I, before we wrap things up, because we're coming to the end here, I, I wanted to go back to the name of the firm. Uh, it's it's spelled R-E-A-D. Um, what, what's the origin story of the name? Yeah. Um, so we call it Reed. Um it came like we we're doing a lot of renovation, so I wanted the re yep. in the name. I was like, like you know, like and like it was like redesign, re reinvent. We like we went through a lot of re's, and at the end, I said I like the term re architecture better than like redesign. I said like like that's what's closer to what we we're doing. So uh, we're like re architecture design. And like it became as a compression read, right? Which I which I think is closer to what we want to do as well. Like like be like very contextual. Try to understand, you know, again like with my you know like passion for history and like how things work and like in what context things takes place. Like it was making sense. Like you read the context. Like read like you know like just like like yeah, just like a little bit in mode analysis and reaction mode. You know like the. the of what we can do now. Yeah, I love it. So, so, so technically, it's it's re as in renovation and ad as in architecture and design. Compress it, and it's read, and then there's this context around it from from your history and your origin story. It makes total sense. Total sense. Okay. So? I like yeah, it. Like, I, I, yeah, it's, I said like it was really hard to find like uh, the, the website as well. Just like read.com, like go go and buy it. Like so yeah exactly like, like, right. it's just a million dollar <laughs> domain for sure it was like so we found something else you know like it works well yeah um, yeah um i also want to ask you the one question that i ask everybody on the show what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow um well for tomorrow i think i think it's to we i think we're doing a lot of things in architecture that are interesting, but also I think like it's a good training to do other things through the thinking that we've been taught, the way like the, the critical thinking that we've been taught. Like, so to do a better business, I actually try to read books about entrepreneurs, you know, like like not architecture at all, like just like entrepreneurs, yeah. startups. I just like, like try to understand how they grew their business, not of architecture, but, like of anything. Because I think sometimes, like, um, it is it is a business, you know, like it, it is it is a field like that I'm really interested in. But like to make it work, I need my business to work. So that's right. when when we had the crash. Sometimes I was like, okay, maybe we can, I, you know, I can extract the architect and be more like the entrepreneur here because like something is like you know like I need to be able to keep on going. So um, I, I think look outside of architecture to be a a better business person and then do better architecture through that better business. Obviously. Yeah, totally agree. That's, that's my message almost every week 
is build a better business first, and then you can be a better architect later. Yeah, took a few tries. You know, like we're like it's anyway, it's still challenging. You know, like it is. Every, it's a very hard time. business. It's a very difficult business, and and it's uh, there's lots of lots of rules to the game, and so yeah, for sure. I appreciate you for coming by and sharing your story. Um, Colm Minaj is his name. Uh, the website is re-ad.com, re-ad.com. We'll have links to that on the show notes. You can go check out what Colm is doing. Uh, Colm, thank you very much for coming by, sharing your story, your origin story, sharing a little bit of the background of your of your architecture firm. Very interesting. I appreciate you for coming by and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you, Mark. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. That's how Entree Architect will grow to serve thousands more architects just like you. This is our 10th year here at Entree Architect. We launched this thing back in 2012. It is 2022, if you haven't noticed. 10 years ago, we launched this podcast, and it's grown to thousands of architects listening every week because you share this link entrearchitect.com slash podcast share a link to this episode with a friend and thanks to our sponsors rcat fresh books and ncarb we could not do it without you thank you for your support links to our sponsors and all the resources we discussed today on this episode are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast entree architect is a member of the gable media podcast network if you haven't gone to gable media yet you need to. GableMedia.com is a, is a place for you. It's built for you. It's curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. You are the audience dedicated to building a better world. We built Gable Media for you. Go check it out at GableMedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-Media.com. And it's official. November 1st through November 3rd, 2022. Add those dates to your calendar and I will see you at the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting, the first ever live and in-person conference for you, small firm architects. Visit entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting right now to learn more. That's entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting and I will see you in Austin. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening every week. I appreciate you coming back and sharing links to this episode go do that. This episode, go share it with a friend. Thanks for being here. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this. I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris owners of Level Studio Architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. 
Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> and so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.